This episode of Story Comic Presents is sponsored by JanusPointPress.com. Watch out for wormholes. Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 316. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and award-winning <laughs> artist and comic creator, Brad Geiger. Thank you, Barney. I, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I'm excited. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Well, you know, Brad, I've been following your stuff for lots of years i remember back when it was episode 100 of, of, <laughs> of, of comic lab it's it's, it's so because you started that with your friend dave and you the, the the two of you were part of a group of four cartoonists yeah. correct back in the day dave kellett scott kurtz chris straub and i wrote the how to make web comics book together yeah. and uh, to promote that book we did a podcast called web comics weekly now this was in the early 2000s before podcast before podcasts really were a thing and certainly before monetizing a podcast was a thing <laughs> uh well long story short that that podcast came to an end because all of us were kind of busy. We started getting kind of, uh, uh, our schedules were getting full up in our own careers and so forth. And so it was almost impossible to get all four of us to do a show together. And in 2018, David went after me at that point for a couple of years. He was, he, I, 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 I was like, I don't think we can do this. I don't think we can do this. And he's like, uh, going into 2018, he said, I, he says, here's the thing. We're on the phone almost every week talking comics and josh, joshing around with one another. Uh, why don't we we'll just put microphones into the mix? It'll be the same thing. And so in January of 2018, the first week of January, we recorded our first show, and we've been recording two shows a week ever since. Wow. Uh, six years okay. later, we're still plugging away, still having our weekly comics chat, except now we're recording it. You used to be able to, you record them, then a couple of days later it was live, but now you kind of created a buffer of yeah. episodes. So there's, how important is that to kind of actually kind of get that buffer created? Yeah. Well, it's a it's a it's a good news bad news situation. The good news is we've got a buffer, so you know he, his kids are younger than mine. Uh, so it, it, you know how it is when your kids are small and they get sick and so forth. You've got to uh, you've got a whole lot more in your hands than I do. My kids are uh, seventeen and twenty one. And if they get sick, you just, you know, go, go lie down. I'll bring you a soda later on today. Try, try not to make a mess, you know? So, uh, so, but with both of us and, and our lives and our businesses, we have to have a little bit of a buffer or else we run the risk of, of going right up against the deadline and nobody likes that. Mm. So the good news is we've got a good four week deadline now uh, on oh, wow. both of our okay. shows, the public comic week uh, comic lab show and pro tips, which is a Patreon exclusive that goes out every week. Uh, we've got a good four weeks on both of those. That's the good news. The bad news is when we, when we talk about news and, and current yeah. events and stuff, it's going to be uh, a month until you hear it. In fact, just now on the show that went live today, we were talking, about the rumors that uh, Elon Musk was going to take all of Twitter behind a paywall. 
Uh, and, and it was the very first rumblings of that uh, four weeks ago and, and what would happen and so on and so forth. At that point, he was pitching an $8 uh, a month uh, version of Twitter. And I've, of course, that story has evolved since then. But just today, we get around talking to uh, uh, talking to each other about would you or wouldn't you uh, uh, subscribe for Vanilla Ice Cream Twitter? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's good to wear ahead. Sometimes it suffers a little bit in, in, in the timeliness, but we always try it in stuff like that. When we talk about stuff that's current, we try to bring some, something to it. That's a little bit evergreen. That's, that's a bigger issue. That's a, something that you can still take away because if the story is moved by then you, you're not and, and all you're doing is talking about the story, then you're not going to get a lot out of it. Right, but you also have on your your Comic Lab Patreon page, though. In a way, this is also a good marketing technique to encourage people to join that tier, mm-hmm. that Comic Lab tier, because then you can be in, involved in the actual the live chat of while you're still conver- conversing about that that topic um, live as it's happening. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you're you have your Comic Lab Patreon page, and you also have your own Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Um, so how important is it as as someone that actually uh, creates comics as an indie comic creator, somebody that's wanting this to be a business as well? How do you balance the point of having your own website because you want to have your own real estate on the web, yeah. a place that you can call your own, but balancing that through also utilizing Patreon and, and utilizing Kickstarter and some of these other opportunities as well? Uh, there's no balance. They all work together in, like in one big machine. You, you. It, my opinion is, even though if you're under 30 and you're listening to the show, you're going to roll your eyes uh, and just cast me away as an old man. You've got to have your own website. Uh, and, and and if I can go into a whole conversation of why that is, uh, but. I'll just say, uh, trust me, if you want more reasons, then go listen to Comic Lab. We talk about it nearly every week. But uh, but the website works in conjunction. In fact, I've got a bunch of exclusive Patreon comics on my website that you can log in with Patreon to unlock and see oh, on the website. Okay. So All what right. and what I found, and again, if you're if you're still listening and you're under thirty, congratulations. But listen to this. Uh, <laughs> When I do uh, onboarding for a new Patreon backer and I ask them, how did you find out about what I'm doing? How'd you find out about my Patreon specifically? Uh, About 70% of them say they found out through my website, not through Twitter, Mm. not through, certainly not through Instagram, not through Facebook, uh, not through any of the newcomers. They're finding out about what I'm doing through my website. And uh, that's significant. That's really important. It shows the power of a website. If you think that Webtoons is the only place to get uh, a comic reader, you're going about this all wrong. You're you're, you're way off base. Same thing with Tapas. They're all good uh, for what they are. Do read the terms of service before you uh, get involved. Uh, For a while, I used to mirror my stuff. But no, the website... The website works in conjunction with all of that. The website is where people find out about my Patreon and my Kickstarters and stuff like that. Uh, and the and the Patreon content in some cases goes onto the website 
in special areas where you have to unlock it with your Patreon login. It, it all works together. It, it's not a balancing mm. act at all. It's all part of the same uh, big thing uh, that we're that we're trying to do on a month by month basis. And and so how do you also balance? Because I know that you've done successful Kickstarters along with it. So the Patreon is um, more utilized to give value to your readers and and how much of your patreon audience translates into kickstarter backers yeah that's a great question because people people uh make this mistake all the time and they they think they owe their kickstarter crowd patreon rewards and and vice versa they think they right. own they they owe patreon uh backers kickstarter rewards and the fact of the matter is that's a horrible thing to do don't ever do that kickstarter and patreon are two completely different things patreon is a sub and and this is truer now than it ever was it's not a tip mm. jar it's not it's not it's not a place for quote unquote support nobody wants you nobody wants to support you on patreon if you're saying support me on patreon stop and think the person you're talking to is having a hard time supporting themselves they don't want to support you too right, right. so don't say support me on Patreon. Uh, say join us on Patreon because what they they are willing to pay for subscription uh, content. You already know that from te Netflix, Hulu, uh, any of any number of other subscriptions they've got. Uh, uh, say join us. You're having a party. They are looking for community. They are looking for entertainment and fun. So Patreon is for subscription content. You, you put content up there that somebody would like to subscribe to and it turns into a, a monthly uh, revenue source for you that you have to keep feeding, you have to keep building and you have to keep putting that stuff up there. But Patreon is for monthly interactions, a monthly subscription. Kickstarter, on the other hand, is for merchandise. Kickstarter mm. is for, basically, it's a very fancy way of getting pre-orders for your merchandise and then of course i don't have to explain the rest to you you take the money from the kickstarter and you do the order and then you fulfill it those are two completely separate things and i see cartoonists doing this all the time they they think they owe their patreon rewards to kickstarter backers and kick kickstarter rewards to patreon backers well that not only is that not true you'll find that your patreon backers are thrilled to support your Kickstarter. Thrilled to be early uh, pledging over there on Kickstarter. And when you run a Kickstarter and you talk about your Patreon, lo and behold, Kickstarter backers that discover you through Kickstarter are thrilled to become Patreon backers. They, they don't expect, they don't expect, hey, I'm a Kickstarter backer, so you gotta give me Patreon. Not only do they not expect it, but when people love your stuff that much, they are overwhelmingly joyful to get involved right. in the other thing so so uh, those two things always keep them separate <laughs> and 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 i've had very very good luck with uh using patreon for example i'll when i do a kickstarter i will on the day it opens i won't say anything uh to anybody about it except my patreon backers i do okay. what i call a quiet open and I'll put a couple of, of levels up there that have free shipping. And I open right. up that Kickstarter and I go, hey, just for the Patreon backers, not for anybody else, order within the next 24 hours, you'll get free shipping. When 24 hours is up, I'm taking those uh, reward levels that have free shipping, and I'm shutting them down, and then I'm going to announce to the world. Well, what happens oh, then, okay. of course, 
all of your Patreon backers are thrilled. Not only are they getting an extra reward for being your Patreon backer, but they're getting free shipping, which is right. no skin off your nose because you're building that into the overall Kickstarter goal anyway. And boom, day one, within 24 hours, you've got a whole bunch of Kickstarter backers. Well, guess what that does to the Kickstarter algorithm? You're right there at the top because you came out of, a, came out of the gate uh, like a loaded gun, right? And so now the next day you open it up to the world, everybody sees your Kickstarter on day one with a whole bunch of pledges. You're already uh, juicing the Kickstarter algorithm and you're off to the races. It's because you have to launch it. So that counts yeah. the first 24 hours. Yep. So, so would you say, all right, I'm going to create the, the, I'm going to create the Kickstarter to be 31 days instead of 30 days or yeah, how would, don't how get would... hung, don't get hung up okay. on days. That's the biggest right. mistake you can make. Uh, people think okay. it's gotta be 31, 30 days, 31 days. Right. Here's the deal. It, it don't, it's gotta be in that neighborhood 30. It could be 32. It could be 28. Here's what's right. much more important uh, than any of that Barney. And that is you got to start I would like to, I, my Kickstarters, I like to see them start a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Never okay. on the weekend. And Monday and Tuesdays aren't so great either. But Wednesday, people tend to get paid on Thursdays and Fridays. They've got extra money on Thursdays and Fridays. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, great days to open. And guess what? Those are also great days to close, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try and get about 30 days i'm going to open on a thursday if possible and i'm going to close on a thursday and and see this is where if you say well 30 31 days and that's where you see a lot of kickstarters because they hold to that kick 31 day thing right. they uh end on a saturday when nobody's paying attention and <laughs> yeah, that's true, a yeah. lot of, i've seen a lot of them fail their funding by by inches because of, right. of something like that so no don't get right. all hung up on 30 days all that stuff uh open on a thursday or friday close on a thursday and friday and have in the neighborhood of 30 days in between you've been doing this as i said um a graystone inn started yep. in 2000 um yeah which is your tour de force i gotta say that. It, was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was my it was my big f you to the newspaper syndicates that yeah. uh were sending me rejection slips by the bushel basket and my big master plan was to start posting graystone in it was a daily comic strip uh posted on a geo city's website and uh it built such an audience that they had to sign me to a newspaper syndication contract that was my big <laughs> Big master plan. And I, I'll tell you right now, I know exactly where all those rejection slips are. I still have them in a folder. They're right over there in my studio. And the last 23 years of my comics business has been fueled by exactly that spite. It's still, it's still <laughs> F you for sending me rejection slips. I, 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 it's that's when I'm not sure I want to get out of bed in the morning and go do a comic. I think about right. those rejection slips and I'm fired up again. That, yeah, that's classic revenge success right there. Yeah. 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 It's all spite. It's all spite. It's not a pretty thing. It's not it's not something I'm proud of, but gosh darn it, it works. <laughs> you do the story, uh, you do the the comic lab piece, mm -hmm. and you also do your evil link. So how do you what advice would you give on balancing time? Because these are two separate but incredibly important to you creative endeavors that you're working on yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't even suggest anybody try to do it until they really have time management down pat 
Like I, I wouldn't say like some people, a lot of, I, I've, we've got a, the question come in to, to comic lab quite a bit. Do you think I should start a podcast? And we're like, no, no, you should not start a podcast. <laughs> time management is really difficult. And as a matter of right. fact, I was great at time management when I had a day job because I was doing a daily comic strip. I, my kids were small. I was, I was, uh, you know, full-time dad. I had a right. full-time job that was, uh, a, a night job. And, uh, I was doing a five day a week comic strip without fail. And, uh, I was, I was a, a warrior when it came to time management. I, I had it down to the, to the second, uh, I was sleeping about, uh, six <laughs> hours a night, maybe seven on a lucky time. I was seeing my wife five minutes a day, literally, uh, for five <laughs> days a week, but, uh, I was good at time management. When I left my day job in 2012, uh, my time management fell apart because I, now all of a sudden I had too much time and I, I really had to manage it, right? So uh, like right now, my schedule on Mondays, I teach two classes at the University of the Arts here in Philadelphia. Uh, I, 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 on Tuesday, I record Comic Lab with Dave. That usually takes a better part of the day by the time we do setup and record two shows. And then after that, I'm kind of brain dead. I'm not good for much uh, other than that. And then it's uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday when I'm getting most of my work done. Uh, if, if there's nothing going on with the family, I'll sneak upstairs to uh, a little satellite studio I've got up there and, and bang out a few things. Uh, but uh, I, it, 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 I would not suggest anybody try to do, uh, who's, who's really passionate about comics, somebody who really right. wants to turn comics into their job, into a sustainable uh, uh, financial uh, revenue situation. Uh, I would not suggest doing other things like a podcast and all this other stuff. You know, uh, I, 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 I think it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a real disastrous move because uh, you, it's hard to, it's really hard to, <laughs> to get all that stuff done and to be really good at the thing that you're trying to do. So I, right. I so yeah, I, I wouldn't suggest somebody trying to do that until they really, really are masterful at, uh, time management. Right. I mean, like, you know, it's the point that you brought up in one of your podcasts as well is that like, it takes a lot of years to be an overnight success. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you did so you brought up before we went live on before before we before the show started we were talking about one of the, your pieces of advice you gave a few years ago as well it's looking towards romance authors when it comes yeah. to promotion do you want to kind of uh, talk a little bit about that well for a long time my wife has been telling me that i was really missing the boat by not reading romance uh and and i'm like of course i had the same uh image in my head that we all have right bodice rippers and 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 you know period pieces and and longing looks from across the ballroom and and she's like nah she, you, you don't know what you're talking about and she said that the romance has, has gotten a lot a lot different and so I started looking into it long story short oh my god there's some great stuff being written out there uh, and, and romance tends to be most publishers uh, uh, make bank on romance. Uh, they don't they don't talk about it, but it's 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 one of their main income streams. And of course, right. self publishing with romance has gone through the roof. And so, as I was reading uh, some people, and as I was 
uh, uh, getting getting acclimated into this. Uh, I started following them on on social media. I started following people that I'd learn about. I'd listen to podcasts that were uh, related to r- romance authors, and I would just I'd keep adding them to social media and so forth. And I'm telling you right now, if you're a person <laughs> in comics and you want to learn how to do good social media, you need to start paying attention to what romance authors, particularly, I mean, all of them in general, but particularly the ones that lean into self-publishing, you start watching what those romance authors are doing on social media. It's a, they're, they're doing a master class every week, week in and week out. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 they're just, they're just doing some amazing outside of the box thinking and I'm stealing ideas from them left and right. Watch out for wormholes because a good book is a wormhole, whether it's paper or pixels. Explore our artist books and chat books, including the winning 2022 Chautauqua Janus Prize Lecture at JanusPointPress.com. And sign up for news of our upcoming sci-fi, sensual, and literary collection, Event Horizon. This short story collection on cosmic decisions and their impact is written by award-winning author Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos. and features comics, prose, photography, and original canvas work by an array of exciting artists. Visit JanicePointPress.com. For those that want to say, hey, this sounds interesting, Brad, tell me a little bit more about Evil Inc. Yeah, well, Evil Inc. is a comic I started in, in 2005. Uh, the, the, the central cons- conceit is that it's a corporation that's run sup- for supervillains by supervillains because you can do more evil if you do it legal. That was my <laughs> elevator pitch at comic conventions back when I used to do comic conventions. Uh, but 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 it's it's a... It's a corporation run by supervillains. That's kind of like the world that is is set up there is you've got corporatized supervillains. So, of course, you have to have a quasi-corporate superhero uh, response. Although, in this case, it, the corporation uh, crumbled and the government has taken it over at this point. But uh, it, all of that is kind of like uh, meaningless because it, that's it's world-building stuff. But really what it is, it's about the uh, interpersonal relationships between heroes and villains. And one particular pair in uh, specifically, and that is Captain Heroic, who is obviously one of the city's top superheroes, and Mismatch, the aptly named Firestarter supervillain who works at Evil Inc., and they have a secret love affair, right? And that's that's really what evil link is all about is, is kind of that uh, uh, relationship and all of the other relationships that sprout out from it. For example, uh, Captain Heroic's dad uh, was a silver age superhero. And it turns out he had uh, 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 liaisons with uh, super villains, but he's kept it down, uh, down low. He's, he's kept it hush hush. And he's very upset with his son for even considering this. Uh, And, 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 and those are the relationships that I really uh, like to write about. Uh, Evil Inc. was a comic strip up until 2016. 2016, the web changed a lot. I had realized that the web, like as of 2016, uh, 
the between social media and just how people were reading comics on the web had changed and, and also ads ads had died so much uh, when we first started back in 2000 doing a daily comic strip kind of the reason that so many web comics were comic strips back then was that that was the best uh, format for running advertising on your site. If you had a new comic on your site every day, four panels a day, boom, 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 you could do really well in advertising. Well, after about 2013, ad blockers came up and the mm. ad revenue crashed on everybody's sites. So between the, the death of an online advertising and uh, the, the changes in, in how people read comics and social media, I decided that that, that I, I this was the time to an, stop doing a comic strip, and I reimagined it as more of a graphic novel. So in 2016, I rebooted Evil Link, uh, restarted all of the relationships uh, because I'd also uh, just learning from my mistakes. Uh, day one in Evil Link in the comic strip back in 2000, uh, Captain Heroic and, and Miss Match were married. It was a secret marriage, but they were married and they had a kid. Well, mm -hmm. it, it, I'm sure it's very obvious to all of you listening, but it wasn't obvious to me in 2000. Uh, that's where most uh, 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 like romantic stories, that's where most romantic comedies, that's where they end is right. with the couple, you know, fully entwined and, uh, you know, raising a kid together. That's kind of where most of these stories come to an end. I had missed all the best storytelling parts, the how I met, you know, uh, your, your mother, how I met your father type stuff. So right. uh, I, I, I restarted it, restarted all the relationships, and it's been going strong since 2016. Uh, taking larger story swings, instead of limiting myself to four panels, I now post on, on social media and on my website, I post a half a page at a time, which uh, for my size pages, evens out to about seven or eight panels at a time. Uh, mm. It's more like, if you remember the Asterix books uh, from, yeah. from Europe, it's, it's that size page. So I, I, I get a lot more story swing. I get a, I can, I don't have to hit a punchline in the fourth panel. I can do more story. I can do more development. And, uh, once I did that, uh, my stuff really took off. That's when I really saw my numbers grow. My audience started responding. Uh, it was it was a big, big step because I think I just write better. I, I think I write funnier. I think I write more uh, compellingly. If I if, if if I'm not trying to throw a punchline every every four panels, you know, it's it, right. it, it's just it's a lot more graceful way to tell a story. Talk to us a little bit about, did you, so do you write out a script and then do the art? Are you sketching and kind of seeing where the story is going to go? How's that process work? So what I do is I do, I write a chapter at a time and most of my chapters are about 22 to 24 pages. So I've, mm -hmm. I've got an overall arc uh, that I have in mind for the characters, but I'll just write a chapter at a time. And what I'll do is I will write that chapter out uh, a longhand, uh, you know, just, just like paragraph after paragraph. This happens, then that happens, then this happens, then that happens. And I'll work out my story beats. And mm. I'm a big believer in the story circle that Don Harmon, uh, Dan Harmon yep. talks about Harmon, from Rick yeah. and Morty. And you can, you can look up, there's a very good uh, explainer on YouTube that talks about it. 
but I'll put my story up against the story circle and I'll say, I, and I'll inevitably find that I missed a step, right? Oh, geez, I could, I could come back here and have this happen and then that makes it much, much more, uh, uh, you know, it hangs together story-wise. The narrative really zings at that point. So I'll bring it up against the story circle and, and rewrite it and then I'll carve it into story beats. And again, this is literally just this happens, then that happens, then this happens, then that happens. It might be two or three paragraphs for a 24-page comic, okay? And then I'll, I'll divide those into days. And okay. then each day, I've got like a sentence. Uh, Cap I'll just, for, for the sake of argument, uh, the sentence might be, Captain Heroic goes to the store, wants to buy milk and bread, finds out that there's no milk and bread, decides to go to a restaurant instead, right? That's, that's the story beat that happens there. If you notice, there's no dialogue, there's no action, there's actually not a whole lot of there there. In fact, the restaurant part that I told you probably wouldn't even be part of that. It's probably what would happen as I solve the problem. So as I'm working from week to week, I've got all of my story beats roughed in, but I have no idea what's really going to happen. I know where it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to get there. Uh, so then what I can do then is I can work week after week after week without worrying about that stuff on page 13. Today, I'll, st I'll start working on page three of the chapter I'm working on right now. It's got two sentences on the page, and I will write a top half and a bottom half each one of those will have uh, an entry point for new readers and something significant happen on that uh, uh, last panel uh, because that's the only way I'm going to keep retaining readers is if some if when I post it on social media, something's got to happen. Even and, and it doesn't matter if you've never read my stuff and you've never, ever heard of me. You've got to see that something happened there. You've got to be able to mm. grok that, you know, this thing it was significant. Uh, and so my writing challenge to this week is going to be page three. I'm going to have to come up with uh, a setting, dialogue, what happens, what, what it means, hopefully say something uh, significant, uh, better yet, a punchline in that seventh panel, and write a seven-panel top and a seven-panel bottom. And then, and then when I got that done, then I can start penciling and inking and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, but but the writing, I, I've come up with a good system, I think, that allows me to kind of rough it out in one big writing session and then just take it a page at a time and make each one of those pages as good as I can. Right. Even like, is it a, it's an ongoing series as of now, but I, you're, you plan on having it be finite where there's going to be X amount of story arcs and then you'll move on to another project or is this something you're going to be doing for a long time? It has it has a certain degree of finiteness to it, right? I, right. I do at some point. I, I I can't keep teasing Captain uh, Heroic and Mismatch any, any you know any more than I already have since 2016. At some point, you know, I they're right. going to get together, uh, and then the question for that that I haven't uh, answered for myself, quite frankly, is: Do I do something completely different? Do I take and just shift the universe and focus on another couple? Uh, do I just just hang it up and, and go take a long walk? Uh, I it, 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 that I honestly don't know. At some point, Captain Heroic and Mismatch 
inevitably uh, uh, will get together. I, that's very obvious reading this comic. Uh, right. But what happens after that, uh, again, in the same way that I kind of rough out these chapters and I don't worry about the page until I get there, it's kind of the same thing. I, I'll, I'll worry about what happens after they finally tie the knot and everything is, ha- you know, at a, at a position of stasis with their relationship. You, you, Brad, have the capacity to be able to look deep into what's happening in the indie comic scenes, but you also have this academic perspective to look at what's happening in a 30,000-foot view. So you, you mentioned before in a previous interview about the, the five ages of, of, of comics that we're yeah. in. Is that, can you explain that a bit? Yeah. I mean, well, so... Going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, and, and there was this huge explosion of content. Web comics uh, specifically was in my purview, but uh, all kinds of blogging and, 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 and live journaling and stuff like that. Uh, it, a lot of us exploded uh, onto the scene in 2000. And the web, as far as web comics has gone, uh, the web has gone through four distinct changes during that time, and what and and we're in the fifth right now. And uh, I, I, the reason I brought this up on Comic Lab was that uh, we get like right now we're in a really weird place where we in, in terms of social media specifically we're in the decl- I think we're in the decline of social media right now. It, 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 I think when we. Finally, all the dust clears the fifth age of web comics. We're going to call this uh, post social media or social media decline uh, right. because really uh, it, it, nobody is getting the social media reach they got. Uh, but, but the thing that I like to remember when stuff like this happens is that we've had four times before this, four distinct periods, and we've survived every one of them. Every one of them seemed like the world was going to come to an end. And every time, actually, the world got better. I'll tell you what I mean. The first age was pseudo-syndicates, all right? So all of us in 2000s started doing comics on the web, and then we tried to recreate the success we saw in the bigger world. And that was newspaper syndicates for because, uh, again, most of us were comic strip artists because that played best for the ads. Uh, so we formed pseudo syndicates like Keen Spot and Modern Tales, and uh, a bunch of us would group up, pool all of our traffic. One or two people would be in charge of the advertising systems because they were complicated and hard to land. Uh, the ad system would get hooked up into the into the syndicate, and you'd get your cut of the syndication money based on the traffic that you contributed. And it was a, it was a very good system. It was a very good system. Uh, the only problem was it did not scale. It did, it, as you grew, it did not grow particularly. And we quickly realized that we're going to have to figure something out. It was painful, right? We're, it was like, oh, we don't know whether we're going to make it through this. But then we had atomization, the phase two of, of web comics, when everybody realized we don't need to be part of a syndicate. And we, we actually, what happened is we broke up into smaller and smaller groups until finally we were all independents. Right now, it, you, don't, you look around at somebody who says, oh, I started a web comics. And you say, oh, you know, where, where is it at? Is it at uh, Webtoons? Is it, is it at Tapas? Where's your website? Uh, right. But back then... It, to have your own website was was mind blowing, right? It was 
I, 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 I went from Keen Spot to uh, 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 Blank Label Comics, <laughs> right? Uh, which was a whole uh, uh, half dozen or so of us that created basically a smaller Keen Spot. And, mm. and then we went even and to a smaller... And you raised money for Hurricane Katrina, too. Yes, yes. That was our big yeah. deal. Yeah, we did a fundraiser. We raised a lot of money for Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and then we made a smaller group called Half Pixel. And then after Half Pixel, we all just made our own websites. And it was the atomization of webcomics. Everybody went and, and very quickly we realized, oh, I can, I can hook up a, a, a plug-and-play advertising revenue system to my website. It, it took me about a Saturday afternoon to figure that out. And then I was running my own business from that own point. So that was the second phase was atomization. Then the third age, social media. Social media came and completely changed how we did everything. It it was it was it, it changed how we published. It changed how we made money. It changed everything, mm. and everything went to social media. Everything was uh was, was the whole game was being played there. No big surprise. The fourth age was crowdfunding. Crowdfunding right. crested just after social media and uh. It, it, it again, it was that I, I, I talked about it earlier in the show, but in 2013, when ad blockers started to make it look like I was going to have to go back, I, I had left my day job when I, uh, after or shortly before ad blockers showed up, I had left my day job. So my comic, my comic strip website was paying most of my bills on ad revenue at that point. And then every month after ad blockers came up, it was a little bit less and it was a little bit less and it was a little bit less. And for uh, quite a while there, I thought I was going to have to go back and find a day job again because uh, I didn't know I, I didn't know how I was going to make this thing go because everything right. that I had learned in those previous ages was inconsequential, right? right. And then crowdfunding came along. Kickstarter became a huge player, and then when Patreon happened, it was it was a huge explosion again. Patreon changed the way all of us do business. There's not a you talk to webcomic artists uh, from now until doomsday, you might find three that would want to go back to advertising, and, and and all three of them need their head examined. But the rest of us <laughs> are doing way better today than we ever did. Uh, in 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 an advertising revenue situation, uh, so so crowdfund. We're now going from the fourth age crowdfunding, and I say right now, uh, the, the point I was making on Comic Lab is that we're in the fifth age, which is a post social media age. We're in the decline of social media. Twitter, which al almost all of us had really relied on for reach mm. and for engagement, uh, is tanking hard. Instagram delivered big follower numbers, impressive follower numbers, uh, uh, but never delivered what was important to people like us, and that's the ability to make money, right? You, right. I know Dave, uh, Dave's got 40,000 in the neighborhood, 40,000 uh, Instagram followers, Dave Kellett, my co-host. And every time he runs a Kickstarter, we track how many of those 40,000 come over to become Kickstarter backers. And every time it's like single digits, three, four. 
So Instagram, <laughs> you it's you can make big follower numbers, but you can't right. actually direct that traffic off of Instagram, which makes Instagram surprise useless, right? right? right. So and Facebook was useless way before Instagram. And now we've got a whole bunch of different wannabe uh, platforms that are trying to take over for Twitter, right? And especially when Twitter's tanked hard uh, a couple months ago, every time Elon Musk makes another ridiculously stupid move, uh, you see a whole bunch of people going to Blue Sky and a whole bunch of people going to Threads and a whole bunch of people going to Mastodon. And, and what happened just recently when Threads, do you remember, Bernie, when, yep. when Threads had that big opening weekend, when, when all of a sudden, hey, Threads is here, and they had like, like hundreds of thousands of signups in the first 24 hours, and yeah. everybody was on Threads for that first week. Just social media with tappity, 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 tap, tappity, yappity, yap, reshares, likes, follows, engagement. And then after that first week, it bottomed out on on threads and we I, I was sitting there we were recording shows dave and i and i and i said well threads is it threads is the twitter killer it everybody's going to be on threads i don't know how i feel about it because it's just instagram part two but every it, it, that's what we're going to be but then it bottomed out and now everybody's mm-hmm. sitting there asking themselves why didn't threads take and right now I, I i'm actually getting better engagement on blue sky than i'm getting on threads i'm getting a right. nothing on threads and it and and here's what i think i i think it has nothing to do with threads and it has nothing to do with blue sky or twitter it has everything to do with us we as a group of people creators readers users everybody who uses social media we as a group of people have decided we're over social media. It just, it, it, Threads gave us everything we wanted to replace Twitter with. And we we did it for a week and we're like, yeah, I'm over this. And so mm. that's why I'm very confident we're in the so, uh, post social media age. And there's a lot of money in it for someone who can figure out what's next. I have no idea what's next. I'm a little bit frightened to launch my next Kickstarter because I relied on Twitter to get the word out a a big time uh, for stuff like that. And I'm not getting anywhere near the engagement. Uh, It's going to put a big hurt on a lot of people. Uh, And we're going to, and it just might be, uh, and and Dave uh, 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 rolls his eyes every time I say it. I think we might be going back to that phase two, atomization, where everybody's mm. just floating out there, <laughs> doing their own thing and trying to. And 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 by the way, we made we made that phase work. We made that age work. We did it by and and, and go ahead. You can laugh. We did it with web rings. I know. Yeah. I know it's an old concept. Yep. We did it yep. with cross promotion. We did it with uh, with with, with uh, making networks with other creators. We made it happen. We made that atomization phase of the internet happen. I think honestly, we're going back to it. I I, I right now yep. I'm banging the drum on Patreon content exchanges. It, it's so frustrating because I I've got to I I got to explain the concept. I give you some exclusive content. You give it to your readers on Patreon. Right. You give me some of your exclusives. I reward my backers with it. We cross promote. It, we don't put it right. out on public. It's and you thrill your Patreon backers by giving them 
uh, a reward that they didn't see coming today. Uh, and, and by the way, every time I've done this, both sides gain backers. Everybody's scared right. to do it because they're like, oh yeah. And then, and then you're going to steal all my backers never happens. What happens is right. your backers go, oh, this is cool too. I want it. And the thing I already got, everybody gains right. backers, but it's so hard. I gotta, I gotta keep promoting that idea, but I, I think we're going to have to do stuff like that more and more as we're in the post social media age of web comics, because social media clearly isn't delivering it anymore. It's one of the big reasons that uh, Patreon a couple weeks ago just uh, tried to relaunch itself and, and, and reposition itself, adding a yeah. lot of social media features in because they're trying to replace that. Uh, I don't know how useful it's going to be, uh, so far, I kind of have my doubts it just based on how I'm using Patreon, but it's good that they, it's good to see they're on top of it. And they're trying things. They're, 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 right. they're not just sitting there letting things happen. They're trying things out, even if it's not necessarily working for me. But yeah, I think, I think we're in the fifth age of, of uh, web comics and it's post social media and it, and it's painful as hell. But the thing to remember as you lie awake at two o'clock in the morning is that this has happened four other times. And each time, not only did we as creative independent creators, not only did we survive, but life got better each time. So, so Brad, if people want to learn more about your work and kind of follow you on comic lab or also evil Inc., where's the best place they could go to? Yeah, just go to evil-inc, that's I-N-C.com. There is an evil ink with a K, that's uh, Coheed and Cambria does a comic. And you're going to you're gonna get very disappointed if you're looking uh, for Coheed and Cambria and you're getting me instead. So go to evil-inc.com. That's my hub for just about everything that's going on. And uh, you can see Evil Inc., Evil Inc. After Dark, which is the NSFW uh, side of Evil Inc. Also, you'll see uh, Comic Lab stuff there, my books, uh, just a whole lot of stuff happening. And of course, you can always catch me on Twitter for as long as that lasts. Uh, and my handle is at Geiger. That's my last name. It's spelled like guitar, but with a G for a T. <laughs> Yeah, you're on Mastodon, you're on is it, Reddit, you're on Patreon, you're on all oh, kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, I I you that's part partly I do that because I I just want to experiment with it. Partly I do like Mastodon I wouldn't even be on if it wasn't for Comic Lab, but I kind of feel like if I'm going to talk about it on the show, I've got to I've got to have first person experience. I will tell you right now, Mastodon is not the replacement. Mastodon ain't it. Uh, it's not even coming close. Uh, it's a great idea. I love the concept, but in terms of realistically doing what we needed to do, it ain't going to be Mastodon, but I still have my eye on threads and blue sky. I still have hope, but like I said, I think we're over it. I think, I think, I I think that I don't think there's going to be a Twitter replacement. I think we're heading into another phase of atomization. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Brad. This has been amazing. So I really thank you, Barney. This has been an absolute joy. All right, Brad. Let me do the intro, and we'll jump right into it. So sounds good. See, this was just this was banter. This was pre-show banter. That's a nice little warm-up. That was a nice, uh, nice little way to get going. Get going.
<laughs> All right, here we go.